0: Stand
1: by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to episode 534 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. Recording this live on Thursday, September 21st, 2023. It's a very exciting time around here because it's almost fall. So if you're into that fall scene, You got some Halloween stuff coming up, even though Halloween candy's been out for, like, two months at this point in time. It's pumpkin spice season, if you're into the spice, which I'm not, but congratulations to those that are. It's Han Solo season for the ladies out there. It is.
1: (laughs) For the way girls dress in Portland, it's Han Solo
2: season. It's Han Solo season. By the way, I'm Chris. Uh, You know me. Joining (laughs) me today, Mr. Anthony Bachman.
1: And I do remember the 21st night of September.
2: It's Earth, Wind, and Fire Day, motherfucker there you go willie is out sick today so please send a positive vibes to willie in the twitter machine if you want at south porky saying that we hope he feels better hey the night bot bot is working again guys i didn't know i had it working hey! night bot works again nobody cares on the video stream but i just wanted to no. prove that it worked because i thought i broke it but yeah han solo season for those that aren't aware what's han solo wear in the star wars original trilogy long shirt vest pants with knee-high boots what do we start to see in the winter season it was the fashion trend i don't know if it still is because honestly i work from home and i rarely leave my house so fashion for me is shorts and a t-shirt but it used to be that same thing come fall season for all the ladies out there so the joke was it was han solo season it's a it's
1: a pacific northwest look for sure
2: yeah i mean you didn't you don't see many dudes nowadays that wear like the knee-high boots like that han solo was wearing in that
1: Well, most people don't have the charisma that Harrison Ford has to carry off any outfit. The man is 70 and rocks an earring with a suit all the time and works it like nobody's business.
2: V. Fry, right in the chat. It's the standard pumpkin spice white girl uniform. Go to a (laughs) Starbucks. You can be a union buster if you want. Not buster, but you can just ignore the unions that people are trying to form. Go to Starbucks (laughs) and you'll see a bunch of people in the pumpkin spice uniform. I kid, if you want to go to Starbucks... Feel free to. I don't go to Starbucks very often anymore. God, it's probably been over a year. And then before that, before the pandemic. But I'm happy that there's a bunch of small local shops. I live in a college town now, so we've got coffee shops all over. And I've been trying out the local coffee shops when I go to the grocery store, go to run errands. Because God forbid I do something without caffeine. <laughs> no I don't reason, know how I would to. do it. I mean, it's like my medicine. I have to have caffeine.
1: So I wonder, if we share a video from YouTube, are we going to get struck down off of Twitch?
2: Yes, and then probably off of YouTube when I go and (laughs) post it on there.
1: All right. So I won't share screen on Earth, Wind, and Fire. No, you cannot share screen on that one.
2: Today's the day to listen to that song. Today's (laughs) the video. All right. so, So spin to me. You're a fair use argument for playing Earth, Wind, and Fire right here.
1: It's September 21st, motherfucker. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. It's national, nationally recognized Earth, Wind, and Fire Day.
2: I don't think do that's remember? going to work <laughs> in the eyes of the lawyers.
1: Yeah, well, I never trust the lawyers
2: anyways. V's right. How could you do something without coffee that's not possible? You're right. No.
1: I don't i still have a pot of coffee every morning when i get up except for on the weekends and then i have coffee from our keurig so i have the really good flavorful coffee yeah yes yeah, standard workday, i'm still drinking a pot of coffee every morning before lunch
2: look i have like two or three cups before lunch and then in the afternoon it's not necessarily soda but i have these this water bottles one of these circle ones where this is like a little cartridge that slides in that i can drink out of some of them are caffeine drinks so i generally have a (laughs) caffeine one in there and that's how i get my caffeine fix is some juice that has caffeine in it you put crack in it (laughs) you're not wrong
1: i see and i'm still i'm still living the bougie life with ice and water in the door of the fridge for the first time ever so i got me a nice big cup of spider-man across the spider-verse filled with filtered water out of my fridge
2: Look, I'm an almost 40 year old white man who's out of shape. I need caffeine to make it through the day. Let's be <laughs> honest here. I need caffeine. If I don't have it, it's not going to work.
1: I'll say I'm a
2: 45 year old,
1: fairly out of shape white man, and I've been drinking caffeine since I was 12. Yeah. I started drinking coffee at the house with my mom like before school when I was in elementary or junior high. Junior high. You started young. Jimmy. Well, I was smoking at, you know, 14, coffee at 12, drunk the first time at 10. I did a lot of shit early. I could start singing that
2: song, smoking in the boys' room, but not creative Commons or fair use. So all I can do is just reference a lyric that is smoking in the boys' room.
1: (laughs) I had a crazy childhood. (laughs) Yeah, even even in the Gulf, when it was 135 degrees out, it was the hardest days because I would get up in the morning, I would still fill my coffee cup at 5 30 before going to quarters and i would drink a a big old cup of coffee and it was already like 105 out at 6 a.m like it was awful but if i didn't have caffeine to start the day then i end up with a headache
2: that's when i would just be like i need mountain dew find me a mountain dew someone
1: give me the dew
2: and i will part of the problem is yeah
1: there we had i mean on navy ships now they have you know soda machines but they're not free you have to pay for those yeah. And so, yeah, I was like, I ain't got enough change with me to pay for six months worth of soda. I'm going to have to drink some coffee in the Gulf. Yeah, that Ooh. shit was awful. Stand and watch, midnight, the ball's to four watch. You go out on deck, you got a cup of coffee and a gun in your other hand, and it's 100 degrees. Like, That's I stood tough. a watch, and at 1 a.m. it was 100 degrees. still. I'm like, no wonder people in the Gulf fight all the time. It's too hot to be anything other than pissed. It's just too hot. Humans shouldn't yeah. live there. It's too fucking hot. <laughs> If you're that hot all the time, you're angry because the only response to that type of temperature is anger.
2: (laughs) I'd go on a work trip. This was a decade plus ago at this point in time, but it was the middle of the desert in California. And all I remember was just, we get out to where we're working on site. They've got a pallet of water there. And like, keep drinking water. And the one dude that was with me was like military. He'd been active duty for many years. He'd retired and become a contractor to support a bunch of work we were doing. He's like, where's the coffee? And someone went, Dude, it's 126 degrees. You think we got coffee? And he's like, "Someone's got it." And they go, "Yeah, there's a coffee pot in this little uh, in this trailer <laughs> here, our server room it. trailer with air conditioner blaring at 100%. Had a coffee pot in it, and it was ninety, <laughs> it was 92 degrees in the server room that was fully air conditioned. That's wow. how hot it was with how much heat was coming off of these uh, racks of equipment that was in there. And they also well, kept the coffee pot in there.
1: I'll say having the coffee pot there's not a smart idea either. That just raises the
2: temperature. Well, they needed power. It <laughs> <laughs> runs the, the server, court outside. <laughs> the server room was guaranteed power.
1: That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the one nice thing about the Gulf, like, because yeah, I mean, before going to the Gulf, the hottest I'd ever been was a weekend trip when we our ship was in San Diego. We went to Phoenix and like drove over for the weekend, and it was 125 degrees in the shade that day Ugh, in Phoenix, no. and it was so dry, like. You stepped out of the car. You stepped out of the building. It felt like stepping into a microwave. It was so hot. But yeah, then we went to the Gulf and at least like I was electronics tech. I was a fire controlman. So we have three different offices, workspaces in the ship filled with cabinets of electronics. None of that shit works if the AC ain't working. So yeah, we'd get up and you'd get up in the morning and birthing and be like, you know, 85, 90 degrees as you're crawling out of bed. Like you're already sweating. It's so gross. You get up, take a shower, get dressed, and then run to your workstation. Because in our office, it's fucking seventy four. Like it was, it was the best place. I spent so much time in my shop when we were on our Westpac. I actually built a small cabinet and put a thirteen-inch TV and a PlayStation in it, so we could sit up in our work center and play NCAA college football. Like, I mean, I'm guessing it would have been like the two thousand. So it was NCAA college football two thousand. And yeah, we just played that in our shop most of the time. We were in the Gulf because it was too hot to go anywhere else on the boat. You didn't yeah, want to be I outside. You want to be on the deck? Like it was just too damn hot. <laughs> it's like let's yeah. sit down with some video games in the, in a nice, cool workspace.
2: That's the way to do it, man. Yeah, I spent it was only like a week in the desert, but dear God, that was just you wake up and you're like, well, I'm hot, and then midday, you're like, oh God, this is just way too hot, and then about two o'clock, you're like, okay, you guys, uh you guys worked enough go home and you're like okay good thing i left the windows down in my car parked in the middle of the desert so that it would be at least a little cool and oh yeah good thing i remember to drop like three blankets over the steering wheel so i can actually touch it
0: oh yeah because it didn't matter what you did
2: it was so damn hot like the one dude wasn't thinking about it because that's part of what they briefed us on it was the way to make sure your rental car could still be cool enough you could drive and he rolls up in there and leaves everything sealed up Oh and no. I was like, oh no. I, like halfway through the day, I was like, dude, you're gonna want to open your car up. He goes, What do you mean? I said, go in your car right now. <laughs> and yeah. then just stick your head in my rental right there. And he was like, Oh shit.
1: Yeah, they they have a term for that.
2: Hot pocket.
1: <laughs> yeah. You turn we, your car into a fucking microwave hot pocket.
2: We were also told that for where we were going, because it was such a remote location, like, make sure that if you come on site, you have at least a third of a tank of gas because you'll be guaranteed mm. to be able to get back off site. With a third tank.
1: If you can make said, it, it's quarter tank. You may
2: or may not make it back out. And then someone's going to have to go get Yikes. you a gas can. And you're in the middle of the GD desert. So it could very well be that the little road you're going down, someone's not going to drive through it for another two hours. So we traveled in convoys. It was okay. Oh, yeah. I know you're going to be here at six. Let's all go <laughs> together and we'll all bring our cars so that if one fails, at least we can get people out.
1: <laughs> no doubt. I mean, yeah, especially like if you're out building something where there's nothing there yet. Like yeah. you're you're not gonna have a high traffic. Oh, they ain't nobody coming by to pick your ass up. And
2: my rental car <laughs> was so friggin' dirty at the end of the week just because of all the dirt and sand that blew into it. Because it was you literally put every window down, just took your keys with you, and you're like, oh, someone's gonna steal my car. I don't give a shit at this point in time. At least I can get in the damn thing when the day is over.
1: Oh yeah, and if they snuck, if they got all the way out to where your guys' works, they're all they're coming all the yeah. way out there to steal a car, really.
2: Yeah, that one was an interesting trip for me, though, because I was on the West Coast and I stayed on East Coast time the entire time because we weren't staying out there all day because of how hot it was. So like I was going to sleep at like 9 p.m. Pacific because it felt like midnight <laughs> to me. And then I could easily get up at what felt like 8 a.m. to me. and was 5 a.m. there. I was like, get you're going to 4 dancing. or
1: 5 a.m. Yeah. starting your day. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then I would just go out there because it was still cool. But to me, because I refused to get off my East Coast time for the week I was there, it was great.
1: that's so weird i know it's it's, i was in such a time warp yeah i'm looking forward to our next trip because we're planning on we want to do is that you go to we want to go to like florida for disney world for our next one because we went to we went to hawaii for our honeymoon and it's i mean it's technically the only time in jet lag but i don't really know what jet lag feels like yet because i got food poisoning on the last flight and so when we came back i was hurting for like four days and so. But because I got food poisoning and was actually like really sick, I have no way of knowing like what actual jet lag feels like. So it's going to be weird because our next trip is going to be going four hours the other direction because we're going to go to Orlando, be there for like a week and then come back. And so then that's going to be a weird shift because on the way back, it's going to change the other direction.
2: Well, the yeah, jet lag's not so bad for that. It's more that you got to deal with Florida Man than it's bad. Well, yeah. But
1: they, yeah. I, I do believe Disney and Universal do a pretty good job of keeping Florida Man out of the actual parks.
2: Yeah, Florida Man's less problematic there because <laughs> it's mostly tourists in the parks. But And no, Florida Man's not me targeting one specific person, anyone. It's a joke about Florida in general because there's <laughs> yeah, always these it- jokes of just look up a headline that starts with Florida Man and it's going to be ridiculous, dumb, mm-hmm. and hilarious probably. Well, but less yeah, I just, so in today's world. Uh, what was that?
1: I just watched a movie. It was a, a low budget semi like thriller, not really a horror movie. I care what it's called. But it's a girl calls another girl as she's lost in the woods on the phone. And the girl that answers is like a gas station clerk at a, like a Gator oil gas station, this made up thing in Florida. And uh, was it Missy Pyle plays like the world's craziest Florida woman in that movie who like shoots up the place to get her cell phone back. Like it's, fucking crazy i need to find that movie because yeah it was it was one i read about in fangoria and then it popped up on amazon prime with like no advertising no nothing i watched it it's actually really good because you have that whole weird thing it's like oh it's a girl wandering through the woods and she's lost and she needs help like with someone over a cell phone it's like well that doesn't make any sense but Mm. they set it up early in the movie that she wears glasses that are like 200 by 500 so like when her glasses get knocked off in a fight with her ex she's like blind and so she's walking around with the, in the movie like doing this facetiming with someone to help her walk through the woods oh, cuz she literally okay. can't see. So it's a great setup when you get into it and they actually the writer made it make sense. But yeah, Missy Pyle plays yeah, basically Florida Florida woman in this movie and it's hilarious. Yeah, Velma. Yeah, the chicken's basically Vel- Velma, but it's Velma running from a stalker rich ex-boyfriend in the woods who's trying to kill her. So, yeah, it's it's a really good, like, low-budget, like, it's listed as a horror movie. Like, it was in Fangoria where I read about it, but it's it's a thriller. It's very much a thriller. There's nothing supernatural, but it's just, you know, it's the a bunch of weird circumstances show up. Yeah, I need to find the name of it. I just put it on my flick chart. But, yeah, it's really good. What the hell was that movie called? <laughs> this was going to take me a minute. But, yeah, I'll
2: find the name. He's on it. While he's on it, we're going to transition on in to the news of the week. Live from the ATG and studios on uh, the internet, it's the news of the week. Welcome to the news of the week. It is that part of the show where we run down what's in our minds. It's the most interesting, geeky, and/or nerdy news to have popped up, and talk it with. Oh, well, excuse me, and talk about it live for those of you that may be in the video stream or just on the audio side in our chat room. We're going to start with mine first because it's arguably a longer news story, and we'll probably talk about it some on the next show too when Willie's here because I think it's going to be interesting. But we had like the biggest leak of xbox related content ever this last week that came in some of these fec fcc fec whichever one it is the filings for the activision in uh, blizzard slash microsoft merger i did a federal court of crunchy cookies of, yeah i did a terrible job of setting that up i butchered it but hey this all comes out of that someone from microsoft accidentally uploaded a bunch of stuff unredacted they got put up on the sites for public comment and everyone got to see some of the planning that Microsoft was looking at potentially out as far as the 2030s. Now, one thing we need to caveat on this is Phil Spencer's already made a point of coming online and saying, hey, look, a lot of this was a product of its time. It's not all necessarily true now. This is not how we wanted people to learn about some of the things that we were thinking. It's not how we wanted to share it with you. And I personally, this is me talking, not Phil, I feel real bad for all the people that were involved in coming up with these ideas in the nature in which they came out now where they're not all necessarily fully formed or they may have changed or they may have won more fanfare to present it. And that didn't happen because of this. Now, that being said, we are internet podcasters here. We'd like to talk about some of the stuff that comes out. I think we do at least need to talk about some of the stuff that came out of it, but keeping in mind that the documents that were uploaded that leaked out are a year plus old. So plans obviously change. So you in say regards, it was uploaded. So where was it uploaded to? Uh the the public site that is where all of the Blizzard Activision stuff has been published for people of the general public to go and then review. Where generally everything is redacted as it's oh, supposed to be. a lot okay. of the evidence and stuff in the court proceedings, things like that. This was accidentally uploaded as part of that.
1: Okay, so this wasn't like someone accidentally sending an email to the wrong email yeah. address. This was this we're sending was, court documents
2: and someone that put are supposed this in to be in made just,
1: public. And these were accidentally in... So yes. this is like a, what is it? it's part of a disclosure where you have to yep. disclose certain things. Okay.
2: So, so someone screwed disclosure up...
1: Disclosure led to a leak.
2: Yeah. Okay. Someone screwed up and included this in the stuff that went out publicly. Now, arguably, it was probably supposed to be sealed in the private side of things that only the court's really seeing and the lawyers. Yeah. At least that's what I would assume. But this did go out publicly, and there's a lot of stuff in it. And I want to talk about it, but keep in mind that it may not all necessarily end up coming true a lot of it is ideas and brainstorming for what's going to go on and a lot of people may have irresponsibly taken some of these things and twisted out of context specifically this first one that i want to bring up because the headlines (laughs) got twisted beyond a bit what it is and i think we should talk about it is that
1: who would clickbait do that clickbait
2: yeah right so one (laughs) of the things was phil spencer was talking about hey it would be a real feather in my cap if one day we could pull off an acquisition for nintendo It was not him necessarily like, oh, my God, we need to do this. It was more like, this would be amazing if it was something we could do. And he wrote specifically in the email, at some point, getting Nintendo would be a career moment. It's just taking a long time for Nintendo to realize that their future exists off their own hardware. He wrote a long time followed up with a smiling emoji. So So
1: like his idea was to be like the host hardware for Nintendo games going forward
2: or to basically buy the company to put all of their games out on xbox pc on X- or cloud infrastructure no, i can so see that yeah why wouldn't he ways.
1: want to do that that's a that's yeah. like a dream goal down the road
2: so, so yeah. where it gets irresponsible is some people were spinning it as phil spencer's trying to buy nintendo whereas it was more he was talking to the executives <laughs> and be like hey this would be really cool if it could happen the writing is on the wall in his mind that the industry's changing and nintendo isn't seeing it but it got spun into oh my god phil spencer's out there trying to buy nintendo like he's knocking on the door in japan like hey we want to buy you we want you (laughs) uh this same email also revealed the fact that microsoft thought about that's the key thought about there's not necessarily any action was taken purchasing valve and warner brothers games and wb games is one that people have often talked about the fact that oh i wonder if microsoft's going to go after them because it seemed like they were kind of just out there on their own after the Warner discovery merger. And I think they are still trying to spin it off. I'm just not sure who's going after it now.
1: I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's one where like, I mean, WB is, you know, there's so much, so much IP involved there. And the fact that they don't have, let's be honest, a really good, solid video game company is kind of sad. Cause outside yeah. of the Arkham games, they're slacking like they're yeah. I mean, I'll say DC has as much IP as Marvel does, and Marvel's got a hell of a lot more video games out there right now than DC does with their characters in them that are really good. And yeah, bear in mind uh,
2: though, Disney's doing it a bit differently, which is they're just licensing it off to everyone. And at one point in time, WB Games was an in house development shop, which I think they're effectively going to spin off and someone else is on it. So what they should be doing is similar to what Disney's doing in Marvel, which is just sell licenses out to reputable game developers to make games with your ip
1: yeah you find the right company and you give someone like insomniac a batman or a superman yep who's who's not still waiting for an actual good superman game where you can fucking fly around
2: there was a rumor rock was doing one but it's not happening
1: where is this at i've never played a superman game where the flying works like he's he's the big boo boy scout he's like you know, number two under Batman for making them money, and we've never gotten a good Superman game. That's so sad. We've had 42 Spider Man games, some good, some bad, but we've had 42 of them. And some mm-hmm. of the new ones, like the Insomniac ones, are amazing, amazing storytelling, voice acting, gameplay, all of it. We yeah. have yet to get a good Superman game. Come on, Warner Brothers.
2: Also, some stuff that came out as part of. The leaked documents they got bethesda's roadmap for future development projects and things like that things that were on their roadmap i don't have the dates was a sequel to ghostwire tokyo which i've played and is pretty fun it's on game pass and it was exclusively on ps4 mm. slash five for like six months before it came over to game pass a dishonor so run around th-
1: with the ninja sword right <laughs> Slashing people? No, this is one?
2: the one where like you're uh, you're part ghost and like you're killing phantoms and stuff like that, and like you shoot energy from your hands. It's a really weird game, but oh, it's fun. okay.
1: No, I'm thinking Ghost Runner. Yeah, yeah, so, you're thinking them. Of... <laughs> too many similar names and titles.
2: There was a Dishonored three sequel, supposedly remasters of Fallout three and Elder Scrolls four, which is Oblivion. Those were all things that were on the roadmap. Don't know if those are still happening because again, those were documents from the merger. Between Bethesda and Microsoft for things that were on the roadmap, and things could very well have changed. Now, this is one I thought was interesting. It's regards to AAA game publishers, and this was Phil Spencer again in some emails, stating that AAA publishers were slow to react to the to the disruption of digital storefronts like Steam and shops built into the Xbox and PlayStation. In the email, Spencer wrote that third-party publishers were unable to replicate the dominance they established back in the days of video game retail and as of yet had not found a way to effectively cross-promote. They have not yet found a way to effectively cross-promote. They have not found a way to build into publisher brands that drive consumer affinity, is what he had said. That's a lot of corporate speak. But (laughs) as we go into it, he notes in regards to AAA games, and we have discussed this, not directly, but in similar tones on this show, Spencer noted that instead they've adopted a strategy of making huge bets on highly expensive prestige projects Relying on those risky all-in bets to establish and maintain publisher brands. His conclusion was, "Quote: The role of AAA publisher has changed and become less important in today's gaming industry." So, Mm -hmm. I sort of see where he's coming from there. Where you see more and more people think we're going to dump a bunch of money into this big release, and that's what's going to make or break us. And then at the same time, we've got a bunch of really cool indie games that come out. Like the indie game market is really good right now and you see a lot of those indie games come out on steam for pc you see a lot of them drop on the digital storefronts for the xbox the switch the playstation things like that like vampire survivor it's an indie game you don't have anywhere near the same kind of graphics or anything like that you would find in a AAA game but it's sold like gangbusters and it's tons of fun and it's an addictive thing and we've seen some creative stuff coming there and that is how you can start to argue that maybe like phil had surmised in his email the role of the AAA publisher, it's changed, and they're not quite as important because, okay, Prestige Project XYZ didn't work, but you've got like these six indie games that come out that get insane buzz and everyone's playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, word word of mouth can still carry something no matter who build it, as long as it's built well. Any any fun to play game? what was that? What was that dungeon crawler one that you were loving there for a while? The roguelike um. Oh, oh it'll no. come
2: to me in a second um a uh, Hades Hades yeah like yeah, that's Hades not is great
1: yeah it's not and it's not super rendered it's not overly polished it doesn't look like it's trying to be Di- Diablo 4 but at the same time it's you know that play style play mechanic and done well then you get people playing it I look at a here's the us, thing you can play us, that on graphics are shit
2: and you <laughs> and, can play that on anything yeah yeah, All devices exactly. play among us. All devices play Hades. You can play it on your Switch, yeah. your Xbox, your PC, your PlayStation. It doesn't matter. All of these systems will let you play it.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have, have to be a multi-billion yeah, it doesn't have to be a multi-billion dollar reality rendered Frost Engine game that looks perfect. It
2: can just be fun. <laughs> you make something fun enough, people will play it. This was something I thought was interesting. This was in April 2022 is when this came out. That three quarters of Xbox gamers had a Series S, not a Series X, the Series S, which is the $300 lower powered, slightly lower powered Xbox Mm. with 512 gigs of native storage. Now, that was a year ago. That really surprises me that it was split like that, according to some recent data that Kotaku put together in this compilation article. They're saying recent data suggests the install base is approaching 50-50 right now.
1: So half people have the low-end version, half people have the high-end version? Yeah. Which, I mean, you'd expect that. You'd want to see that as the manufacturer, about half and half. I mean, they'd want to see everybody buying the high-end version, but, I mean, you'd expect it to be about half and half.
2: Now, this is one that the fanboys are going to go in a... They're twisting and turning it into oh Phil Spencer's dunking on my on Sony here, the headline as they put it on Kotaku. Uh, Phil Spencer wasn't impressed by the PS5 reveal, but this comes out of an email to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella from Phil Spencer. He described the Xbox Series X and S line as quote a better product than what Sony has, not just on hardware but equally important on the software and platforms, Excuse me, software platform and services. He finished up saying, "We have the ingredients of a winning plan." Today was a good day for us. Now people are turning that into, oh, Phil's dunking on them. He's underestimating them, dude. Let's be honest. PlayStation Five outsells the Xbox. What, two to one, three to one, something like that. What he's saying in here is, yeah, we're on par with what they're doing. We see what they did. We thought it could be something different. We're in about the same. We're in the same space. Yeah. I I don't understand. I also don't indulge in the pointless fanboy wars when it comes to game consoles because I'm just gonna play whatever I want. But man, on Reddit, that stuff has gotten spun out of control on the Xbox subreddits and the micro- and the PlayStation subreddits, and I don't get it.
1: Yeah, there's a reason I don't go to Reddit too often. Yeah, right? <laughs> As in hardly ever. I don't even know if my account's active right now. This which was something I, I sh-
2: thought... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I should check it, because I actually haven't looked at any of the Warhammer Reddit stuff yet. There's which probably, there's probably a lot in there. there. <laughs>
2: This one was interesting, and I wish Willie had been here for this one because we know he loves this game. But Microsoft accidentally had an exclusive Sega game for a while there. We're talking specifically about uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is a game Willie's been talking mm. about. For a while there, it was available on the Xboxes, but not the PlayStation 5. So, how'd this happen? Well, Microsoft was surprised it happened, evidently. But what happened is there were two competing regional exclusivity agreements that Sega made, which basically short circuited each other meaning they came to the Xbox, but not the PlayStation until those two <laughs> regional agreements had worked out. So nice. it was completely by accident. Like I remember when we were hearing stuff about Yakuza's going to be on Xbox first and be like, what the hell is going on? Is Microsoft just throwing a bunch of money at Sega? Well, I mean, they threw money at them to put it on game pass, but it wasn't as if yeah. they threw money at them for exclusivity. It was more Sega had competing deals that kept it from happening. That was just interesting to me.
1: Hmm. As weird paperwork lining stuff up in the wrong way to where shit doesn't work
2: right Uh, this next one i'm gonna see if i can get this to screen share properly here oops it helps if i hit the right buttons too guys which i did not do but we did get our first look at what is potentially some next gen hardware or not next gen but next iteration of this gen hardware let me phrase that correctly in the new xbox series x line of things and i apologize i clicked the wrong thing and now Stuff's not wanting to. Uh, I'm af- I'm
1: afraid to even ask because I know we're looking forward to the PS5 Pro because it's very simple nomenclature. What in the fuck is the Xbox Series S Part Two going to be called?
2: So it is codenamed right now, and this should be coming up on stream for everyone. They codenamed it as Brooklyn. They call it the most powerful Xbox ever. Now, adorably, all digital. Now, what does it mean for us? It was still going to be a $499 device, things like that. But what we found out is more internal storage, two terabytes of storage on purchase when you get it. Wi-Fi 6E, reduced power because they've got a smaller chipset for the processor. And it's going to be bundled with a more immersive controller, which we'll talk about here in a few. But the biggest change is there is no disk drive on it. It is a shift to all digital for their... Midline refresh now that does not mean necessarily they will not do what we've heard was rumored for the ps5 slim which is an external drive that you could plug in remember an xbox effectively runs windows i'm sure they have yeah. drivers for blu-ray drives that you could just plug into this thing and in theory be able to then have a disc drive on it
1: no, as long as it has a USB port, you can attach a, a disk drive.
2: In theory. We don't know for a fact <laughs> yet, but in theory. They did also mention there's going to be a USB-C port on the front of this device. And Instead of being a uh, rectangular square object, this is cylindrical now. So they did change the shape of it. It's just a midline refresh. It, there's There's nothing to... It's not like we're talking about a PS5 Pro or an Xbox One X scenario yeah. like we had last generation. It's just hey, we've learned a lot. We can manufacture this differently and save ourselves a bit of money. The thing that I think is most interesting, especially as they shift more towards people playing on the cloud and digital games, is a Wi-Fi 6E card in it because 6E is a lot faster than 6 if you have a home network that supports it.
1: I see, and I don't even know enough about it to know that there were variations on the Wi-Fi, like what so, they were.
2: <laughs> let me put it this way. I have gigabit internet. I have Wi-Fi 6E in my cell phone. And when I'm connected on Wi-Fi 6 channels, I can pull about 900 megabits per second wirelessly down. Damn. Yeah. Okay. That's why uh-huh. Wi-Fi 6E is kind of important for these game consoles, especially in Microsoft's case, people who are advocating heavily cloud gaming. Uh,
1: they, they seem to get out their ass and call it the Xbox Boom Tube. <laughs> like, so give it a cool name.
2: As part of that, I did talk about the fact they were talking about a new controller. That's because, hey, Microsoft is updating the Xbox controller. And a lot of people think that's because the uh, Sony, the DualSense, I believe, is what is called the current controller. Yeah. Took them by surprise with some of the stuff that was in it. So what we're talking about here, this is from the leaks. It is codenamed Sibile, the new Xbox controller. So let's talk a little bit about what it can do in 2024. This is when this <laughs> is slated for. Features a two tone color design, new modular thumbsticks, and features that many PlayStation fans have known for a while a lift awake feature and precision haptic feedback, including an accelerometer. So, in theory, potentially having a similar kind of resistive trigger effect as we see on the PlayStation DualSense controllers. It will Which could connect be cool. Yeah, it could be cool. I, mean, I love it. On my PlayStation 5, it's some cool stuff on there. It'll connect wirelessly over the Xbox Wireless Protocol, Bluetooth 5.2. They're direct-to-cloud stuff, so in theory, it's something that Stadia did as well. Instead of pairing your controller with your console, you pair over Wi-Fi to the effectively the server you're playing your cloud-based game on. So mm-hmm. your controller communicates directly over Wi-Fi and the internet, not to your phone, and then over the internet to that, so you take one leap out. Yeah,
1: taking a step out. I like the idea of the lift-to-wake, where you just pick it up, and yes, it knows that cool. you're using it. I just... I, as soon as you put up the picture, I'm like, why is the controller wearing a halter top?
2: Yeah. So I don't know if that's necessarily the color display they're going to go for. So for those that are on audio, the controller, the way it's designed right now is like the top half of it is white, and then pretty much where you have little stubby ends that are like nestled into your palms, those are black. Who knows? I don't know what the what the goal is there, but I'm cautious to see what they do with it. This sounds like a cool upgrade, and if it follows what they have done with previous controller upgrades there's no reason why this controller shouldn't work with the rest of the Xbox series line. So we'll see. Yeah,
1: They do usually make their, their controllers. Yeah. To where they're not, they're not as specific. I know, I guess. uh, Limited as the PlayStation one sometimes. Yeah. The other
2: thing that Willie would be real excited about, because he gave me crap about it all the time is it is no longer double a batteries. We've heard oh. Willie's opinion and my opinion that differs. This will be rechargeable and swappable batteries. So that still gives you the thing that I liked about it, which was hey, I can buy rechargeable double A's and I can swap them out when my controller's dead. Then I don't have to plug in my controller or go and set it down for 15 minutes to get enough charge in it to go back and play. It's I pop out the battery, put in a new one, which is something you can't do with what PlayStation's off with Sony's offering with the PlayStation 5 or Nintendo even with the uh Switch yeah. if you're playing in ha- in docked mode, rather, especially if you're with the pro controller. So I like the fact they took the convenience that I liked with the AA batteries of I can just buy rechargeables and swap them around and kept it with a rechargeable and swappable battery because that means you can use the controller longer. I had um, controllers yeah. in the past that were battery powered where it was integrated where as soon as the battery starts to go bad, your controller is effectively dead because unless you're going to open it up and swap out the battery yourself, yeah. not much you can do with it
1: and especially now with controllers costing 70 80 bucks like right like so that if that battery dies you just threw a whole lot of money away
2: oh uh, let's see last thing that i was going to bring up on this one is oh. microsoft had had some slides and some information talking about their vision for the xbox post 2028 oh hold on a second this says i'm right so i have to share it sorry guys. <laughs> we'll go back to a sec uh v says i'm with chris double a is the way to go because rechargeable double a's are cheaper than lithium ion rechargeable that they use for others yes yeah, yes they are that, yeah I, that's the argument i had with willie is i can understand where you don't want to keep throwing batteries away but i can just keep rotating my rechargeables and my controller works forever
1: yeah, which is great. Because yeah, I mean, that is the downside. I've got these very nice PS5 controllers. If that battery won't recharge, I'm throwing away a seventy, eighty dollar controller. And that's I got nothing. Like there's well, no can, there's no fix.
2: You can play <laughs> it plugged in if you're in proximity to your device oh, yeah. where you just get a long USB cable.
1: Which I do have those, but yeah, nobody wants to play with a plug. I mean, inch. that ties was it, nineteen eighty six?
2: I mean, that ties in with what Microsoft was talking about on the slide I didn't talk to is they're talking about, hey, we want to make this so it's sustainable and make it out of recycled materials and stuff like that. So a certain percentage of the materials in the new controller could be recycled materials. We've seen them dabbling with that with some of their exclusive controllers they've put out lately. So that's kind of the extension to that. Yeah, And
1: there's no reason controllers couldn't all be made out of recycled plastic. Like, Oh, yeah. It's just it's plastic. Who gives a Mm -hmm. shit?
2: V points out my uh, ps5 dual sense just went to the farm because it developed hardware issues and stick drift that's the other thing that we have a problem with is all of these controllers and i know that people dunk on the switch for stick drift they all can have stick drift issues especially if you're rough on your controllers not saying you rv but some people are really rough on their controllers and that can exacerbate the issue of these things wearing out and Mm. not everyone has updated to and i'm going to forget the name of the new kind of uh Thumbsticks that can be used that are basically magnet-based, so you can't get stick drift. I think it's what they put in the uh, Steam Deck and a few other things that are out there, but they're a bit more expensive than the traditional uh, materials.
1: So you're actually moving magnets around sticks? instead of pushing instead of pushing plastic against plastic.
2: I think that's effectively what it is. Hmm. I can't remember what the name of the of the thumbsticks are. Wow, I just stuttered all the way through that.
1: The term statistics.
2: <laughs> All right, so let's finish this up because I've been talking for a while here. We did get, excuse me, some insight into what Microsoft was thinking at least about a year, year and a half ago in regards to the replacement, the eventual successor for the Series X and S devices. Microsoft was describing machine as a next-gen hybrid game platform capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and cloud to deliver deeper immersion and entirely new classes of game experiences. So the thought is you can do a lot of heavy lifting on the cloud and then be able to push that down over a robust internet connection to the system itself. That does not necessarily mean the system itself is incapable of doing anything locally, but be able to combine those to kind of have a different experience. And if that sounds familiar, they tried to do this with Crackdown 1 or 2. I can't remember what exactly, where they talked about the fact you could basically destroy the entire world if you wanted (laughs)
0: Because all of the
2: rendering and processing for the world destruction wasn't done on your Xbox, which was hardware limited. It was done on servers in the cloud, then pushed down to your Xbox. That doesn't necessarily mean all the graphics and stuff are rendered there, but all the information for rendering and whatnot pushed down. So it sounds like their thought there was that we can combine cloud and robust gaming hardware to have some cool experiences that other people can't do because not many people have the equivalent kind of cloud services and hardware and infrastructure that Microsoft does. This is not going to be me dunking here but the cloud gaming for Sony and a lot of Sony's online assets runs on Microsoft Azure servers, for instance, (laughs) because it's a lot easier to pay someone like Amazon to pay someone like Microsoft who has these big server farms and hardware and infrastructure to be the place to house those. And we've seen Microsoft dabbling with this right now because Remember, the uh, cloud gaming stuff is all in beta right now. But if I wanted to right now, I could spin over to my laptop here that has a crappy little graphics card in it. Instead of having to try and run something locally, go to play.xbox.com, I think it is, log in and hit play Starfield. And because all my games are are saved in the cloud also, it'll load my save game and I can just play it on my crappy little laptop right there with all the processing being done in the cloud and then push down to the laptop. Now, there are occasionally latency issues and things Mm -hmm. like that, but we are talking about Microsoft's plans for post-2028. We're getting into a world where, like it or not, 5G becomes more and more prevalent in everywhere, in homes and in mobile devices, where we're getting a lot more bandwidth, a lot less latency, where cloud-based gaming hardware maybe becomes more feasible. Who knows? Again, we should also keep in mind, this was not microsoft committing to a strategy this was them throwing ideas on paper of hey here's what we think yeah. the next general xbox could be it very well could be something entirely different because in the last year and a half they could have evaluated their options and be like oh shit this isn't gonna work pass well,
1: well plus they got another year's worth of data off of what happened with stadia
2: there's like, also eventually uh,
1: kind of- yeah eventually something like stadia is going to work it hasn't worked yet but i could see xbox wanting to be the company to get that done right because so was- they own so many server farms.
2: That was one of the other <laughs> things I'd seen in passing. And I guess I wasn't, I won't transition off the topic yet. This is the last thing though, is remember Microsoft Stadia was a big deal in a lot of people's eyes. It was Google's getting involved in the gaming sphere. They've got tons of hardware and infrastructure and things like that. So a lot of people assumed that when it came to cloud gaming, Microsoft's big competition was going to be Google, but wasn't the case. There was a Phil Spencer email or someone on his team that was talking about the fact they saw their most direct competition in regards to cloud gaming being NVIDIA's GeForce Now service, not Google's Mm. service. Because GeForce Now was more aligned with the kind of stuff that they were doing.
1: I guess that makes sense.
2: Now, I didn't mention another competitor in there, because I haven't tried it, and it wasn't in the emails itself, but V's tried out Amazon Luna when they launched it, which is basically Amazon's version of xCloud and Google Stadia and stuff like that. I think they do some stuff Mm. for free for amazon prime subscribers on that i'm not 100 sure i haven't dabbled with amazon luna myself i just know a little bit about it and i know that every prime day or prime day like event they're always selling the uh, luna controllers on sale or bundled with fire tv sticks to get people to play because i think the way luna works is i think you can play through browser on a pc And then you can also play on Fire TV devices that are hooked to your television. So effectively, your Fire TV stick you use for Hulu, Netflix, Prime Video, all that would have a Luna app on it that you could launch and allow you to cloud stream your game that way.
1: How sad is it that I just ended my Amazon Prime subscription and i never heard of this?
2: Well, see, that's the problem with (laughs) Amazon Prime, though, is there's so much stuff in Prime (laughs) that you don't know what you do and don't get. And I get it. The only wow. reason I noticed it is because I remembered seeing something about it and went, oh, I should try that out. And then I promptly never forgot, never remembered. <laughs> V's pointing out it was good on PC. Their mobile version sucked, which is I've mm, heard similar to that aspect. And I will give Stadia credit is I played it mobile on my cell phone, and on my tablet. It was pretty decent. I've used xCloud, Microsoft service on my laptop. I've used it on my cell phone just for shits and giggles to see how it would work. I've used it on my iPad. It worked on all of those, and it was never a problem for me. Now, the problem we've run into right now with xCloud is with Starfield out, everyone wants to play Starfield, so there's a bit of a wait time sometimes to be able to get a cloud gaming session. And by everyone, I mean that also includes Game Pass subscribers that haven't bought a series console yet because you can cloud stream evidently to the Xbox One devices, these Xbox Mm. series games. So there are some folks that haven't had a chance to upgrade yet but are Game Pass subscribers and have said, F it, I'm going to stream it on my on my system. And it works well,
1: they'd be able to do it on their PC as well, right? If they had a
2: PC. You could also play it in the browser on your PC or your Mac or your Chromebook or whatever, because all it needs is a browser. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a lot of what came out of the leak. There's like bundles upon bundles of information. There's been a lot of interesting coverage on it. Uh, I'd also watched on YouTube. I subscribed to Austin Evans for a lot of tech. News, laughs, things like that. He'd done a pretty decent breakdown two or three days ago. That was just him on microphone talking about the news and the stuff that he thought was cool and interesting. So there are folks that likely covered it better than us. But if we got you interested in it, go check out some of those those, uh, creative minds on YouTube or read some articles out there. I can point you to some. If you want to see where we're getting some of our info from, it'll be in our show notes. You can go to bit.ly slash atgn534 that's atgn with all caps and then i'll take you direct to our show notes that have links to all of the news we'll talk about today it's it's a fascinating subject and i for one wish i knew what was being said at competing places like what did the folks in the sony games division think when this came out or the microsoft or the uh switch gaming house, nintendo side of the house or say the folks running nvidia geforce now as all this stuff leaked out what two three days ago i wonder what their thoughts were to see what microsoft's plans were the future and how those compared to what their plans are that haven't leaked that we don't know about (laughs) i'll mean about all we know now is nintendo has a switch Two that is being shown to uh, game makers right now which is supposedly equivalent in power to last gen xbox and playstation
1: yeah which will probably still have stick drift problems
2: well at least with a Nintendo <laughs> Switch, as long as you don't get the Switch Light, you can always buy new Joy Cons. <laughs> yeah. If you get a Switch oh. Light and your Joy Cons bust, I don't know what you do besides hope you're under warranty still.
1: I say you have to get a new Switch Light, right? Because don't don't those on that one they don't come off. They're like part of the the case.
2: Right, you are. It's all integrated into one Yikes. piece. I we mean, know these also... don't
1: work. Let's attach them to the case. <laughs>
2: I mean, if, if you're if you're handy enough, there's iFixit guides out there on how to tear them down and do replacement parts and stuff like that. It's not impossible to do, but it is not exactly consumer-friendly tearing some of these devices apart.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I was in the Navy as electronics tech for six years. I tried taking apart a PS4 controller. That ain't easy. Getting those apart and back together and functioning, even if you're watching six YouTube videos, it's not an easy thing to do. Like, that shit is they, they make those to not be taken apart. That's the
2: but that's my that's my news, excuse me, that I spoke way too much on. I'm going to toss things <laughs> over to you, Bachman. What do you got for us this week?
1: So, we're going to talk a little bit about the strike, uh, particularly a variety article by Elizabeth Wagmeister from today. Uh, Dancing with the stars premieres eyes delay as I'm going to put quote unquote celebrities begin to drop out amid WGA strike. So one of the things we had heard was going forward with the strike, we got the WGA's on strike, SAG actors on strike, so you can't have a writer for your show and you can't have actors on your show. So what a lot of the users are saying is, "Hey, we're going to get a deluge of reality TV." "Quote unquote reality TV." Cuz you know, it's supposed to just be put a camera on people and then edit it. That like that's it. But they're seeing a problem with that. So uh, the Dancing with the Stars premiere will likely be delayed next week, according with the with pressures due to the WGA strike. Veep actor Matt Walsh, who is part of the Season 32 cast, the fact that they've done Dancing with the so-called Stars 32 times is just insane.
2: Now, we who should is... caveat that, though. They do like three seasons a year or something. Yeah, I but think. I'm saying, who's
1: watching this? Who, who are these people? He said, uh, he's, he's taking a pause. See, where is it? Here's the quote. So I'm taking a pause from dancing with the stars until an agreement is made with the WGA Walsh told variety in a statement. I was excited to join the show and did so under the impression that it was not a WGA show and fell under a different agreement this morning when I was informed by my union, the WGA that is considered struck work. I walked out of my rehearsal. I have been and will always stand with my union members of WGA SAG and DGA Beyond our union artists, I'm sensitive to the many people impacted by the strike, hope for a speedy and fair resolution, and to one day work again with all the wonderful people I met at Dancing with the Stars who tolerated my dancing. So we've got a problem now to where, so even some of the quote unquote reality shows, reality competitions maybe considered struck work against the writers guild because i was i had mistakenly when i first read the article i thought matt walsh was on there as a writer i was like okay well that makes sense like you can't write for a show but so he was going on there as a dancer and he's not able to do it because of the strike and then we were talking earlier in the pre-show i'm like what the hell do you need a writer for on dancing with the stars it should literally be a host talking to camera They introduce a couple idiots, they spin around, and a couple more idiots give them a score. Like, that's the whole show. Who's writing what? And Chris mentioned, well, you need to write what the hosts say because we're paying people to host a show, and they can't talk without words written for them, apparently.
2: Well, I should caveat a little bit differently. It wasn't necessarily (laughs) that I was saying the hosts are incompetent. I was more saying that these reality shows are such finely tuned machines that they make the writers write the things that are going to generate the most buzz and most chance to go viral and bullshit like that. So it's not exactly natural. It's written to seem like it's natural, but also to get a reaction out of you, I think.
1: Which is ridiculous. So let's get, get these people off their asses and make reality TV actual reality TV like it should be. No writers, no fucking editing. Do this shit live and just put a mic in someone's hand.
2: But I don't think I
1: might actually show up to watch that.
2: I don't know how much of them actually are anymore. Now, the real question is, let me use for a comparison, say Survivor, which is a reality TV show contest. We know there's people that design the stunts slash games and contests. I assume there are people whose job it is probably you don't have to with Jeff Probst write him a script, but to give him talking points and say, hey, here's the things we need to make sure you hit on as you introduce this this, uh, contest or things like that. But I assume to some extent, most of these reality shows have writers to some extent. And then like the crap you'd see on Bravo, it's not real at all. It actually has writers that are setting up these situations for them yeah, to go which and is pretend it's real, I'm sure. But that, I mean, that's neither here nor there. But kudos to Matt Walsh, number one, for as soon as he finds out, big like, nope, struck work, I'm out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is what you're supposed to do. And uh, we've had, you know, multiple talk shows talking about going back on the air this week different people saying hey i'm gonna go forward with it and then they get a fucking deluge of hey you're scabbing you're going against the unions and both those massive hosts which i'm not going to talk at the shows but like both of those massive hosts went yeah maybe i'm not gonna do that
2: so there was an interesting (laughs) thought argument coming out about those and the thought of it was there's a lot of people that were mad like oh scabs scabs like dragging those people through the mud and then when they changed their mind there was like two different trains of thought as to how to feel. Was it, oh, you learned a lesson here because you didn't realize just how strongly people would react and your mind has been opened or was, oh shit, I don't want this smoke on me. I better change my mind. So a lot of people were of the mindset like, hey, these people change their mind. Let's stop dumping on them because isn't that what's supposed to happen? You change your mind. You say I was wrong and we move on. Or are we just so cynical, which I kind of might be leaning more towards the cynical, which was, oh shit, I just don't want this smoke on me. I better change my mind.
1: And I think that may also, where you vary on those, may also be which two talk show hosts we're talking about because one catches way more smoke than the other. Well, one's a major
2: douchebag and always has been.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, that makes a difference.
2: So, I'm kind of of two minds, which is part of me at first wants to give the benefit of the doubt, but I'm so cynical when it comes to anything regarding business in Hollywood that I I tend to think it all comes down to the ruthless calculus of, oh, shit, this is going to burn me.
1: Uh, I need one second.
0: Sorry.
2: No problem. <laughs> this is where I'm going to monologue. I'm going to monologue about the writer's Guild strike, which I don't know enough to monologue about, but all kidding aside, supposedly, and this is if you believe the people that are posting about it online or where it's leaking from, they're close to a deal with the writer's Guild. but I'm not sure I believe that because it was like two days ago. It was, we're all really super far apart. So there's a lot of folks that are writers that are basically saying, Hey, don't believe anything you see until something official comes out. Because we have a lot of folks that are just trying to manipulate the media into reporting it this way, so that then maybe there'll be public pressure on the writers to cave and stuff like that. So while we're seeing media reports, that, oh, a strike might almost be over, a deal might be here. Don't necessarily believe it until you start hearing it from the reps from the WGA and the Screen Actors Guild and things like that. Yeah, we're until the, into the shady agree. side of things.
1: Yeah, well, and the numbers article that I saw was the one that impressed me the most. They someone had broke down the numbers saying that uh, Warner Warner Discovery is about to lose five hundred million this quarter for not agreeing to pay forty seven million in what was requested by the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild. So they're willing to lose ten times the money just to not agree and pay people
2: for their fucking work
1: like that is it's insane i instead of paying you 50 million dollars i will lose 500 million and explain it to my shareholders
2: cutting off your nose to spite your face exactly so i don't necessarily i'm not plugged in let's put it this way i'm not like in the know with the writer's guild or anything but when you go and look at some of the actions that are taking place out there i'm not exactly sure that i believe that we're that close because like for instance uh abc slash disney is catching a bunch of shit right now because this last week they did two monday night football games well what did they do they simulcasted on espn and abc because they didn't have much new content so the same (laughs) game that cable providers were getting carriage fees from people to get espn the house mouse then went and put on free abc so it was a lot of people especially cable companies or streaming television providers that were like uh hey what the fuck here We're paying for ESPN for this to be a perk to draw people in to watch Monday Night Football and you put it on the broadcast channel and you're going to do simulcasts of it. I think they said the next 10 weeks of Monday Night Football are going to be on both ESPN and ABC. (laughs) So ABC just locked up all their Monday Night programming; they can shift that reality content to somewhere else to be able to fill gaps in the interim. And no. now I know, if, I know if the strike ended today, we'd still be talking weeks before any new content would be published and completed and be able to be aired on any of these programs. But if, if okay. Disney is making a move like this for the next 10 weeks, that's going to anger all of the people that are paying subscriber fees. I'm kind of thinking they're digging in.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like it, like it does seem like it because I, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's a whole lot of like, yeah, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Cause like if, The WGA is reporting that what they're requesting was under fifty million, and just one, just one of the AMPTP companies is going to lose five hundred million this quarter because of the strike. How much are they all losing if you add up all the streamers together? Like, how much content is not being published? How many subscribers is Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, Paramount Plus, Peacock losing because they're like, well? the show I loved is done and it's not going to come back to the strikes over. So I don't need this app anymore. I'm canceling my subscription.
2: Well, I mean, it's why we've seen things like, uh, they dropped the fact that the new season of our flag means death is hitting HBO max mid October. Now I just saw a trailer for it online. I was like, Oh, what the hell? I was like, Oh yeah. None of the actors can talk about the fact that it's coming out. So yeah, they're starting to use more and more of their backlog. And they're also starting to realize there's only so much reality TV and sports you can use to fill the gaps. And It's not going to go until 2024, I don't think, for instance, but we saw today there's a new TV deal for the WWE where SmackDown is leaving Fox television and going to USA now because they're making a (laughs) shitload more money to go to cable instead of staying on broadcast television because there's a lot of Mm -hmm. emphasis right now on live sports. Now, I'll use air quotes here. This is not me ripping on professional wrestling, but a lot of people (laughs) don't see it as legitimate sport. They see it as sports entertainment. And the like, and it's the same thing we've seen with Warner gradually expanding their AEW portfolio until there's what six hours of AEW five to six hours of AEW content five, on Warner right? properties. It,
1: it two 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 hour shows and one two, one hour two, two and one, and then actually yeah.
2: rampage is two hours this week, but that's probably where I got the six from. So hmm. you've got that plus the head of reality TV show on there. We're seeing more emphasis on things that are not requiring writers. And hey, guess what? Professional wrestlers aren't in the guild so they could show up it's why you've got dwayne the rock johnson showing up on wwe smackdown and john cena because hey you don't have to be part of the screen actors guild and you're not in the guild if you're in wwe so they can do that content as long as they don't promote their sag content
0: well
1: and i don't think i'm not sure i don't know how many wwe writers would be in the writers guild they're not because yeah and then like there's only one writer for AEW and Tony Khan doesn't need a guild. Like he's a <laughs> billionaire. So right. he's not worried about being part of a guild. So he writes every match for every show. So <laughs> AEW is not going to lose any writers. during yeah, Plus this ring of
2: honor stuff too. That dude, oh, I don't yeah, know when he Yeah. He was, I, 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 was, I saw, I'm I saw sure an interview he where he's like, He goes, yeah, I used to do like 80 hours of work a week. He goes, that was before we got collision, though. He goes, I think it's up to 100 hours of work a week I'm doing right now. He goes, it's a good thing. I really love this stuff, though. He goes, it's fun to me. But crazy, crazy. Some of these dudes ain't wired right. Take take Vince McMahon's grossness out of the factor. Like, that dude ain't Mm. wired right either. Because look at that dude's work ethic where he's putting in like three hours a day at the gym. And doing all the supplements, well, plus probably uh, doing some other things that the, help. This is supplement. also
1: the guy that, like, up until the day his dad gave him the company, he's like, no, I would never get rid of the territories and buy out everybody else. And the moment he took over, he went against what his dad wanted and just yeah. bought all the competition. He's like, so- easiest way to beat him is to buy him. Like, I'll just buy your ass. And so- that worked all the way up
2: until the Monday oh, yeah. Night Wars. I so mean- you want a real mind fuck right now? You want a real Uh-oh. mindfuck? I'll give you one Uh-oh. right here. So Vince McMahon, when he started his feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin back on Monday Night Raw, is or was the same age his son is now. And oh, That's wow. how much time has passed. Shane McMahon <laughs> is 53 years old now. Vince McMahon was 53 years old when he started that feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: Possibly the greatest boss versus employee feud yes. in wrestling
2: history. That's how wow. long it's been, is that now Vince McMahon's son is as old as Shane Vince Shane is now 53? Oh, yeah. I oh, I
1: feel old. I feel so old. <laughs>
2: That's uh, your do you feel I miss, old moment of the day.
1: I miss the days of the hill, yeah. <laughs> hey,
2: but hey, we still got folks like Sting that are out there wrestling. I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. Sting's oh, been I wrestling don't... as long as I've been watching it.
1: Yeah, that bodysuit that he's wearing must do a lot of work, but yeah, right. like seeing him jumping off, seeing him jumping off tables and not going through them. And then being like, well, I got to do that shit again. Damn, man. Like he's got a, he's got a work ethic. He's got a fucking work ethic. That's just impressive.
2: There's that. And I think there's also the fact that people take care of themselves a lot better now than they did back in the day. Like Chris Jericho is 52. He's still wrestling at a pretty high level. And there was a day that when you hit 40 in pro wrestling, like, oh, the dude's washed. He's done. Yeah, Jericho's fifty two. Sting's like sixty something.
1: Well, I think Uh, and Jericho, I remember late forties. If I remember correctly, on some of the promos for the the DDP yoga stuff, when he started doing that, he said Jericho says he's in better shape like a year after starting DDP yoga than he's ever been, and he doesn't lift weights anymore because it take it helps him take care of his body in a less stressful way. So I mean, yeah, like there's just a lot of advantages in medicine and taking care of sports nutrition stuff that yeah i mean and yeah honestly most of the guys in the 80s i just i don't think maybe if sting did roids he was smart enough to only do a little because oh, i mean he was pretty freaking jacked in oh. back in the back in the rick flair sting steel cage days but like he was never ultimate warrior jacked he was never right. an inhuman like sting always looked like a guy that went to the gym and worked out but he never looked like he wasn't possible like some of the guys do and so I think maybe he was just smart about it and never went overboard. Because I mean, yeah, always, the fact that he's 60 and still doing this shit with Darby Allen, like, oh, we're not just yeah. going to have you wrestle. We're going to have you wrestle as a tag team of the two craziest motherfuckers in the world jumping off of buildings and shit. Like, what the hell?
2: I always find <laughs> it interesting that I remember years ago, like when Rob Van Dam, I first became acquainted with him. You're like, holy shit, how's this guy do some of this stuff in the ring? How's a dude move like that? And then you found out, that like for 30 to 40 minutes before a match and after a match, not necessarily to that same limit, he's got like this whole stretching routine he would do to make sure his body was warmed up and flexible and stuff like that. And that's what you hear more and more of these guys doing is the stuff that people were like making fun of Van Damme for 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, And now like everyone's doing it because they've seen that, holy shit, if you take care of your body like that, you work on your flexibility so that you can move a bit better you yeah. recover more you recover more easily you're able to not have it hurt as much your body bends a little bit instead of just like oh i'm broken yeah and
1: you don't stiffen up so young
2: look all all van dam did was stretch and smoke a bunch of weed and in today's world <laughs> look it seems to work because you That's hear a bunch of That's fucking healthcare
1: is what that is right
2: <laughs> remember at one point in time van dam lost his title because he was smoking weed and got pulled over with weed in his car He lost his title for that in the early 2000s we're in a completely the fact, different world into the they just try to start
1: a feud with him and jack perry isn't he going after jungle he did Boy? a one-off but actually oh. funny
2: you mentioned that and this is what popped into my head he's actually wrestling a match on collision on saturday because they're in michigan so they booked it's rob van nice. dam so rob van dam's doing another match his match with jack perry actually pretty good rob van dam can still move pretty well for i think he's late 40s early 50s as well and you think about the shit he used to do in the ring you go, yeah. how the hell could he still do it? Oh, yeah, he can't do yeah. all of that anymore. He was
1: ECW, yeah. They were yeah. all insane. Yeah, because well, I remember I mean, the, the Freddie Prince Jr. podcast. They said, like, the first 10 minutes, like, he just went and, like, it was yeah. good.
2: Rob Van Dam could just move in ways that people couldn't back then. Like, if you could have a, a peak Rob Van Dam in his prime that you could teleport to the year 2023, could you imagine the shit he could get to do with people in the ring?
1: Oh, it would be crazy. I would want to see. I would want to see him and Darby Allen in a feud for like six months.
2: Could you imagine a peak Kurt Angle, teleported to 2023, and <sighs> the stuff that he could do? Not yeah. not Perk Angle, as he was called in TNA when he was deep in his <laughs> his drug abuse issues and doing some of the craziest shit he ever did in his career. Yeah. But like right before his drug problems started, when he was still doing crazy things before he broke his neck for like the third time and put him on that path. Like if you could take that Kurt and move him to today. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, imagine him and a peak Kenny Omega, the both of them at their peak in a ring oh, together. Ho, 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 Could that you would imagine be... the stuff that those two would pull off?
1: That would sell some tickets. That There's some pay-per-views. Yeah. There's four pay-per-views in a row right there with just those two. Like, that would be awesome. It would be, it, it'd awesome.
2: be insane. Yeah. It would be insane. It's it's a fun thought uh. exercise. And uh, taking <laughs> us back to how this ties into all the TV stuff, is there's a reason why sports and professional wrestling and things like that are getting more and better tv deals because in comparison to some of this scripted content it's a lot cheaper to throw billions of dollars at Vince McMahon or a billion dollars at Tony Khan and AEW and being like hey we want to buy your content and yeah, we don't know how much the next AEW tv deal is going to be They're in the middle of negotiations
1: and plus, you know, you're shitty like WWE. You don't have actors that you're paying. You have, you know, freelance talent that's under contract and can't do
2: anything else. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the difference <laughs> between the two companies, which you've gotten into before. But I think that takes us off of our rant, off of the yeah. rant that I started there. I apologize. So I guess hey, we need to start. Good Sorry,
1: for go the, I'm just going to say good for the guilds. Good for them exactly. to hold in the line, be like, no, you motherfuckers need to pay this man his money. No, there ain't a CEO out there that creates anything. There's no VP, no president of any of these companies that makes any of the content that you want to watch. The people who actually make the content are the ones not getting paid. Writers, actors, directors, these are the people that should be getting fucking the majority of the money coming from these shows. How the fuck is a CEO getting a you know multi-million dollar bonus They've never made a show. They've never written a script. They've never fucking stood on a stage yep. and done anything. All they've ever done is make money for the shareholders. Which, yeah, some people—that's all they care about. Which is fucking sad. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. It should literally be like if you make a show and there's a hundred percent profit scale, eighty percent of the profits in that show should be going to the people who make the fucking show, and then the twenty percent left over should be going to the company that owns it. And it's about I think at best opposite of that. I think most of the time, yeah, it's about 5% of what the show earns goes to the people that fucking make it and all the rest of its corporate greed. It's just fucking sad. Ain't no CEO making nothing.
2: Yeah. On that note, we are going to start wrapping things up. We do that each week with a little segment called what I'm into. It's our chance to share with you folks who are consuming our little program here the geeky and nerdy things we get into because hey you may want to go check them out yourselves and as i do each week i generally make myself go first because i'll forget the list i have in my head <laughs> if i don't that's mostly what it comes down to i've been Fair playing enough. some starfield on my xbox i have not played near as much as my wife has been playing starfield she absolutely loves it but my wife is also huge into rpgs like her favorite kind of game mm. so the fact that she is uh, super addicted to that does not surprise me this evening i may go and fire up cyberpunk because they just released the 2.0 patch that completely redoes the skill trees Mm -hmm. and things like that in preparation for the dlc that drops next week i think and all the reviews for that dlc but one are like 9 out of 10 9.5 out of 10 10 out of 10 then one dude did like a three and a half out of 10 because he wants to get clicks i assume that's literally only (laughs) one person i've seen rated that low but by all accounts this is Lucky a really good easy. DLC, and I think that CD Projekt Red had done a good job of fixing Cyberpunk up to where it was with the 2.0 update. I'm really curious to see how the skill trees get redone, how the new vehicle combat and stuff like that they incorporate into the game works, and I'm really curious about it, so I'll probably give that a try in between some Starfield. And then on the PS5, I've been replaying the uh Spider-Man Remastered on PS5 nice. because I want to go through and just make sure it's fresh in my mind for when Spider-Man 2 drops in what, like 20 days at this point in time, 25 days? I don't know. It'll show up on there whenever it comes out. One of the things I did do with my PS5 though is I found a pretty good deal for a uh, two terabyte NVMe solid state drive. I ended up buying it for like 80 bucks on sale and uh, bought myself an extra large heatsink for it. So combined, I think I was in for a little less than hundred bucks. And I did put a two terabyte drive in my PlayStation 5 for storage expansion. So now I have the, what is it, you get like 800 gigs of storage you get for games plus two terabytes worth so. of storage that is pretty much just as quick that'll run PS5 games nice. all within the shell itself. It's It's super easy. It took me like five minutes to pop off the side shell on my PlayStation 5 and install this. Like the hardest thing of it was figuring out the right way to pull the side shell off because I thought I was going to break it. That's honestly what the hardest thing of it was. Other than that, there's one screw that you have to undo to open it up. And then another screw you have to undo to move a platform to the right place to support the NVMe drive. So if you're looking to expand your storage on a PS5, there's deals to be found out there and it's super easy to do. As soon as the drive was installed, I powered it back up. It said, hey, we noticed there's a new drive in here. You either need to format to continue or press this button to quit and shut down so you can take the drive out if you don't want to format. it." So I formatted the drive. Took like 30 seconds to format, and then I moved all but one of my games off of the internal hard drive over to the NVMe drive just to see how it worked. Ran perfectly fine. Nice. It's easy awesome upgrade. that it was that simple. Yeah, super easy upgrade. That's where Sony has a distinct advantage, I think, over Microsoft's method, which was for Sony's thing, it's you buy a hard drive because hard drive prices fluctuate. It's real easy to find a good deal. Open up your PlayStation and put it in. Microsoft's situation is convenient. You buy a for lack of a better term, a thumb drive of storage that's proprietary format and you plug it into the back and it expands that way. The problem is it's proprietary and only two vendors make it. So you don't find near as good a sales Mm. when it comes to that kind of quick storage. And and people might be wondering, why do I want to get these drives for either my Xbox or my PlayStation? It's because (laughs) Series X slash S games and PS5 games will only run on the internal hard drive or on the approved and VME drive that you install on a PS5 or the improved memory card that you stick into the back of an Xbox. You cannot use just a regular external hard drive to play Series S and X games. Caveat, you can run your PS4 games on a USB hard drive plugged in. You can run your Xbox One, Xbox 360, and regular Xbox games on a USB hard drive plugged into your device. So in my case, since a lot of those games were backwards compatible on an Xbox, I just took the hard drive that's plugged into my Xbox One and plugged it into the back of my Xbox Series X when I got it. And it went, oh, okay, yeah, this is your account. These are all your games. You're good to go. And all those old games were just playable as soon as I plugged in the hard drive. Super nice. easy. I don't know if it worked that way for moving PS4 games to PS5 if you had them installed on a USB hard drive. Because I haven't tried it. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think, yeah, because I think there was there was so few games that I knew I wanted to move. And so I think the only game I moved from ps4 to ps5 was all my dead by daylight content and then miles yeah because then as soon as i and i did that through the sony cloud so i didn't even i i left it like a so copy i didn't on my have external. sony
2: i didn't have sony cloud but when i did do my upgrade to ps5 if they're on the same network you can basically do a network transfer between the devices so that's what i had done mm. is it there tells you. you to power up your ps4 and as soon as the ps4 is on it can see it and it says okay here's all the contents tell us what you want to copy over and i think excuse me, I told it to copy over my save games. And I think I copied over Titanfall and one other PS4 game because I was like, why am I going to copy over Spider-Man for PS4 when I have the PS5 version of digital token for exactly it? stuff like that. So I didn't copy a ton of stuff over myself, just my accounts and save games.
0: So it was
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah for miles. Yeah. I did my save games and then it let me fire up miles with the PS5 version.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so then I played the PS5 version of miles, but well, I had my save gaming already in there.
2: So that was a fun upgrade there. And I do have my Spider-Man PS5 controller. I just haven't been playing much on it. I I fired it up to make sure it worked and then promptly put it away in my cabinet because I'm not (laughs) going to use it to play games until I have Spider-Man 2. And it'll be my (laughs) Spider-Man 2 controller. I was like, you could use it to beat Miles and you could use it to finish Spider-Man Remaster. I'm like, no, it would only be for Spider-Man 2. It's (laughs) inaugural play session. I've done enough to prove that it works. I've updated the firmware on it and we're good to go now. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. And I did buy myself a charging cradle just for my PS5 controllers. Just because first world laziness problems, I didn't want to have to always be running down my USB-C cable to go and plug in my controller after Mm. I was done if the batteries were low. This is, I just drop it into the cradle and when it recharges, it turns itself off. Which brings me to another PS5 feature I found I really liked, is in their power features, power saving stuff. You can set it up so that when you put the PlayStation 5 into rest mode, you can either turn off the USB ports at that time Leave them on permanently or have them turn off after three hours, which I thought was cool. So I was like, I'm oh, going to set okay. to turn off after three hours because it won't take three hours to charge my controller even after a long session. So it'll charge, it'll get done, and then it'll turn off those USB ports because there's no reason to keep nice trying yeah. to charge a controller, which it's not going to overcharge. They're designed not to, but there's no reason to keep powering a USB port when nothing's going to be doing anything on it. So that nice. was a cool little feature and then they did also god i'm talking a lot of playstation 5 i apologize (laughs) they did just do an update to enable dolby atmos for surround sound and headphones and since i have a dolby atmos Mm. speaker system in my house i was able to set up and enable dolby atmos sound for all of my gaming and media streaming where it's supported so that's set up and working have it on my xbox too they sound basically the same for the same kind of streaming content the only thing As someone who's playing on both the current gen consoles, the only thing I've really noticed that stands out to me different. If you're going to play two of say the same game is that I can only do HDR gaming on a PlayStation five, but I can do Dolby vision HDR on my Xbox for some games, which is kind of cool. Dolby vision is a bit of a different HDR format and formula for calculating things. And is arguably more distinct and vibrant. So I think that's kind of cool that I can Dolby vision games on my Xbox, which I can't do on my PlayStation 5, it it doesn't matter. 90% of people are not going to notice the (laughs) difference. The only reason I notice is because I'm a home theater snob and built myself a home Uh, theater.
1: uh, I was going to say, most of us don't have a TV that could tell the difference.
2: (laughs) Well, the only reason I have a TV that can tell the difference is because my old (laughs) one blew up like a month and a half ago, and I got lucky that LG was was having big sales on last year's model of OLED screens. So I bought last year's model, and I put a 55-inch LG OLED display up there. And goddamn, that thing's beautiful. The only problem is that I need to tone down the brightness a little bit on my HDR because let's say I'm watching Ahsoka, which has a bright white logo. When
0: Mm -hmm. that bright
2: white logo comes up on screen, it makes my eyes hurt. It's so bright. (laughs) It's a good problem problem. to have, though, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's a good problem. problem. It looks gorgeous, (laughs) but like when you have something that's just like stark black and white, that white effect, you're like, oh my god, this this hurts. I need to turn it down. (laughs)
0: Nice.
2: (laughs) uh i'm sure there's other stuff i'm getting into that i can't think of but that's what i've been getting into why don't you finish it up for us bachman what you've been getting into
1: uh watching ahsoka yeah uh up to date on that seeing just some of the cool shit they did like you know no spoilers but like there's a new type of stormtrooper coming that i think we're going to see a lot of like cosplay and all sorts of shit about and there's a whole bunch of questions about these new stormtroopers and the fact that um oh i can't think of enoch is uh oh what's his name west chatham
2: from Expanse. Oh, yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah
1: yeah so the fact that fucking the badass from expanse is now a stormtrooper i just i fucking love it yeah, uh, if, if you haven't seen the be, new episode it's great
2: this could be an obtuse spoiler but we got to meet space jesus basically in this episode because there was always <laughs> that gag of people have talked about like ewan mcgregor yeah. from episode two people are like oh it's jesus some people's grandmas yeah. accidentally put it up on their wall and so now the <laughs> meme is going around of this is what you thought Jesus looked like. This is what he really looks this like. Is what he actually it's a character looks like. from Ahsoka season one that gets introduced yeah. in this episode. There, it, there's, it's, it's, there's just,
1: it's just it's episode six is like if if especially if you fell off, if you watch like the first two and were bored, or you didn't watch Rebels, and so there's a lot that you're not understanding. If you make it to episode six, it's gonna give you everything you were wanting from the trailers from the show Ahsoka. So that that's the best like the best advice I can give is like, if you watch the trailer and thought it looked cool and then the show wasn't giving you that hell, maybe even skip the other one. Just watch episode six. Cause that's, this is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been waiting for is this episode. And it's like, well, it makes sense that Dave Filoni directed this one. Cause yeah, he
0: didn't,
2: like, wait, I thought he did this one. He didn't do this one. He did the one last week.
1: Oh, he did five. I think he oh, did I he did five. Did... Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought he did six too, but no, it's just, it was a great fucking episode um watching a couple of random movies and then oh what was it oh yeah i finished uncharted 2 and i'm about a third of the way into uncharted 3 so i'm working through my game back catalog because yeah i would love to buy spider-man 2 when it comes out i really don't need it because like i think my playstation essentials is paid up until march and so even if i do decide to cancel that and basically just stop playing DVD. Um, I've got like six months to make that decision and well, like I can get through all of the PlayStation plus essential games I have in the meantime. And so, yeah, I'm going to fly through uncharted and I might actually jump to Bioshock next instead of mass effect. Cause I bought mass effect. And so I can play the mass effect legendary edition of all three games at any point. Um, the Bioshock ones I have because of PlayStation plus, so I might switch to that series next, just because I won't be able to play them if I do cancel my PlayStation Essential, and right now I'm like, I, I don't think I want to pay eighty bucks a month just to have access to DVD. Like it's not That's worth fair. it. So, and also if I do that, that will give me more time to work on miniatures, Ooh,
0: which I am addicted we got to. new
1: ones, and so yeah, this is uh, last month's free miniatures were a bunch of orcs. So I uh, built and prime two of them and this one looks like it's still kind of prime but it's actually a purple skin tone uh, I'm trying something out something new Uh orcs in 40k and age of six they're basically mushrooms they're like uh, a, a variation of mushroom that becomes a live sentient creature and so I was like why do they all have to be green so I'm doing this funky version where I'm going to make this guy purple with like a gray kind of underbelly and try to make him look more like a fungus that so, yeah, cool yeah, started working on that, and it's the first orc I painted, so that's been fun. And then this one, I don't know if you'll be able to see the. This is the head for my hell brute. It's this super tiny little fucker, like it's impossible to get it on
2: camera. Yeah, but yeah, like our cameras aren't good enough for that. One. I
1: have I have a stack of heads behind me on a two by four. That's five of my uh, ten legionnaires because the heads on these things are so small and so detailed. And then this one in the hell brute actually goes inside of like a tank. It's got a bunch of like claws and teeth and stuff in front of the head. And so I have to paint it like this before I put it into the figure because painting it inside of it would be almost impossible. And then yeah, of the of my word bearers, I have all 19 units of my combat patrol built now. And so I started priming and painting. And the first set I started with is the Dark Apostle and the Dark Disciples. And this Dark Disciple is literally like the dude that carries the Dark Apostle's book. So he just has the little, like, stand for the book, like, chained to his back, which is just ridiculous. And little candles on it. And then, yeah, we got the dude with the sensor, you know, with the smoke in it. And it's got, like, fire coming behind it. And then the middle part of the sensor that holds whatever would be smoking is actually a skull. But, yeah, so actually got to lay down some word bearers red and actually start painting my word bearers. So, yeah, I've got 19 Chaos Space Marines for my combat patrol. And they're all built. So technically I could play right now, which I already texted my nephew. I'm like, Hey, I have my combat patrol. We need to do a game. But yeah, they, most people say, you know, don't play with gray. It's kind of, you know, a thing about Warhammer. Like, you no, know, you build them and you paint them and then you play with them. It's like, well, I could play now. I'm going to keep painting on these, but I am now at the point where I can finally play a game. So a game's going to happen sometime soon. I don't know when <laughs> nice. it's going to happen. Cause yeah, I want to play with my chaos space Marines, see how they do in 10th edition, I've been listening to a bunch of new podcasts. Weirdly, I had just, I was like, oh, I've been listening to Adeptus Ridiculous, which is a great podcast. It covers a lot of lore. And I was like, you know, I hadn't actually looked on Apple and just like searched for the word Warhammer. So I went and found a couple more podcasts. And weirdly, I found one called Lorehammer that was doing their like hundredth episode celebration. And so I listened to episode 99. I was like, all right, that was cool. It was a pretty good show. Kind of long, like going like Joe Rogan length, like three mm-hmm. hour podcast. But with lore, you can do that when you, know, when you're talking right. about something as big, that's been around for 60 years, like Warhammer. And then I listened to their episode 100 and it was them ending their show and doing an interview with an author, Graham McNeil, who's written a bunch of the Warhammer books. So the interview was great. And then, like, they go about, like, talking about, like, oh, hey, we're ending the show. I was like, well, all right, I guess I'm not continuing on with this podcast. But then I found another one called uh, Dad Hammer, which I've only listened to one episode of that so far. But it's pretty funny because it's about uh, the subtitle is Bolters and Booze. So it's a bunch of dads talking about Warhammer, and they do a specific drink every week when they record their episode. And okay. so, like, yeah, you know, it's like I used to listen to another one called Sequential Spirits, which was comic book artists and they all have drinks and talk about comics. This is a group of guys getting together, having drinks, and talking about freaking Warhammer. So I'm loving it so far. And yeah, just you know, the it's always gonna be it's at least for now, like the, I'm looking at the next thing I'm building, the next thing I'm painting. And yeah, I've got you know, three three of these figures started painting, including my orc of the month looking forward to whatever the i think the new or uh figure of the month this month is supposed to be a tyranid so i've been waiting for the boise warhammer store to announce when they're giving out the free figure so i can go pick that up but yeah i'm, I'm painting my chaos space marines finally so soon soon i will have some big ones and yeah the Hellbrute is a pretty massive figure he's like five inches tall so when i Damn. finish painting that one it'll show up on camera just fine and yeah i do <laughs> I, i'm putting all of this stuff up on um on my Instagram at, at Bachman Anthony. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of photos and there will be plenty more. So yeah, if you want to see what I'm painting and building, I've already did a nice photo shoot of they have the 19 figures all done and ready to go. And it's kind of nice. You have 10 Legionnaires all with their weapons, uh, five habit guards. And then, yeah, the hell brute. And then the, the, the magicians, the apostle, and then his dark disciples. It's a cool looking team. It's going to be fun. And I've already Sounds got like- the metal paints that i'm going to do for the steel and the aluminum on them there are going to be a red and silver is going to be the main color scheme so and i've got stickers ready too there's word bearer like flaming logos and stuff to put on the the pauldrons on their shoulders so i've got everything ready now it's just about you know putting in the time to actually build them or actually paint them so yeah more and more coming there'll be plenty and plenty of space marines nice and i'm i'm loving it
2: (laughs) yeah well and that's what i've been into On that note, then, we are going to shut things down. Friendly reminder, we do stream this live most of the time over at www.geeks.live. That is the streaming home of the Gunna Geek Network. If you head on over there, you can see all the other geeky and nerdy shows that make up the network. And please, go hop on any one of those shows and uh, tell them that we sent you. Go have some fun with them. Talk geeky, nerdy stuff. Just enjoy. I don't know when our next show is going to be. I will caveat that. I will say next week, On Thursday, I am booked up on my daytime job until about 5 p.m. So I likely cannot do a Thursday afternoon show, but it is entirely possible here that Mr. Bachman and Mr. Nelson may decide to go without me. I can make sure that the StreamYard stuff is set up for them to do so, and Geeks.Live is set up for that. But we'll figure that out. We'll let you guys know. We'll put it on social media to give you guys an idea of what all is going on and when it is going on. Sounds good. Before I shut this thing down, you got anything else for the people?
1: Uh, Saw 10 looks good.
0: Yeah. So if horror is horrors, your jam. I don't do <laughs>
2: horror movies, so it's just like, okay, cool. I'm glad people are excited.
1: Uh, it's just, uh oh, yeah, it's it's a flashback to John Kramer. So it takes place between movies one and two. Okay. So it's early Jigsaw, and it's him putting people in traps that if you are willing to bleed, you can get out. It's mm-hmm. not his apprentices that just start killing people for the fun of it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward Interesting. to it. Yeah, the whole Jigsaw thing is cool.
2: He doesn't actually kill anybody. <laughs> well, that's no fun.
1: Oh, he kidnaps you and puts you at a torture device where you decide whether or not you're going to die. He's not mm, killing that you. That
2: reduces the liability, I assume.
1: I mean, I I don't think of him as a slasher. Like he doesn't. John Kramer doesn't murder anybody. <laughs> I mm, guess yeah. so, he shoots a cop in one of the in one of the movies. I think that that was the only actual murder. But the, the cops broke in on him, so. <laughs> you know he's a crazy man he's going to defend himself
2: <laughs> on that then oh wow on that note then i speak english we're going to shut this thing down and we will see you all later bye guys